Uh, there's already a bit yellow blood in my in my veins. Already had a crazy 18 months here, but it just keeps on uh, keeps on going. Welcome to All in Yellow, the official Norwich City podcast. Tukey! Sensational! Who else? Hello and welcome to the All in Yellow podcast. This week's episode features one of Norfolk's real sporting stars, multiple wheelchair tennis Grand Slam champion, and of course, huge City fan, Alfie Hewitt. Yeah, he's won just about everything really, hasn't he, Dan? He's won Wimbledon, earned a pair of silver medals in Rio, been the number one ranked player in the world, but his commitment to the court is matched by his commitment to the Canaries as a season ticket holder. Really looking forward to this one. Dan, of course, you were flying solo as I couldn't make it, so really looking forward to hearing what Alfie had to say. Yeah, but don't let that put you off. Alfie and I had a great chat. He's an incredible champion and loves Norfolk and Norwich City. So here it is. We hope you enjoy this latest episode with Norfolk's Alfie Hewitt. Well, here we are, joined by the man himself, Norfolk's own Alfie Hewitt. Alfie, how are you doing? Uh, thanks for having me, Dan. Uh, I'm doing well. Yeah, I just got back from, from Rotterdam last night, so I'm just getting over the, the last bits of quite a busy start to 2021. It's been, yeah, it's been a hectic start for you, what with Australia and then the tournament last week in Rotterdam, which we'll touch on. How has the start to the year felt for you? It's been good. Like, I, can't, I can't really complain when it comes to the, the performance side of things. Um, obviously, going out to Australia is, is quite the, the privilege at the moment. Um, gearing up for that, I was, I was obviously really set on, on Oz Open being the big one of the, the start of the year, which is an amazing slam to be a part of. And, you know, everything going on in the world right now to actually be able to to do my sport to carry on training and then compete and fly to to Melbourne which is uh, not a bad place to be for for a month or so um yeah it really was quite the quite the um the opportunity and you know came back with a, a doubles title with, with Gordon Reed which um yeah last year was was a big one for us because it was the first time that you know we'd gone there and, and actually taken a title which um, you know, as a as a player, a Grand Slam doesn't get much bigger than that. So to do that, but I, I had my eyes set on the singles this year and uh, missed out on, on that by a few points. So I was a bit gutted, but to come back within a week, turn it around and, and go again in Rotterdam, which was uh, you know, still, a, still a big tournament to, to go and play. Um, and I beat the guy actually that had me in the final there in, in Melbourne. So it was a bit of a sweet revenge. Well, travelling like that seems like a distant dream for most of us at the moment, Alfie. You're a, you're a lucky lad. Uh, were you part of the great Australian Open quarantine that we were seeing so much about on the news? Yeah, I know. It's like my, my favourite trip in terms of locations is always, but to get there, it's the longest journey ever. Um, but no, I mean, we, we, were, we were looked after pretty, pretty strictly by the Australian government. Um, it was a unique experience. Obviously, leaving the UK, we all had to go to specific locations where they had chartered flights ready for us. Um, and then I think it was only like 20% of the plane was allowed to, to be um, filled up with, with staff and players and officials. And then we all headed off to, to Melbourne. And as soon as we were off the plane, we were all um, sent on specific transport and go straight to the hotel, straight to the hotel, straight into testing. And then from there on, um, so we got to our rooms like 3 a.m. in the morning and we didn't leave the room for five or six days. 
Um, it was the Grand Hyatt. So once again, I'm, <laughs> I'm making it sound like it was bad, but it's not a travel lodge. It's it's, it's a nice five star hotel in Melbourne. So we were looked after pretty pretty nicely. Um, and then for the rest of the the two weeks, we were allowed to go out for about five hours a day. But once again, it was it was really really strict and monitored quite quite highly because um, they have very, very few cases out there in, in Melbourne. So we won maybe the the favourites with the locals at the time because there was a few cases. But once that all got um, put under the radar and the tennis got going, um, so the it, it seemed it seemed like it was uh, it was worth it in the end. You know to to be able to go over there and, and play two weeks quarantine, we still could train for a few hours a day. You still had the gym. Um, yes, it was unique and it, and it was a different sort of experience, something that I've never done before and I don't think I'll probably ever do again. Um, but that's part of that's part of the whole package, really. And, and I, I enjoyed it. Like, yeah, it was it was tough in some moments and you know, like like everyone going through this this pandemic right now it's not your normal routine it's not your normal structure you have to you have to find a, a different way of, of going through your day and, and that's what it was going out there and changing my, my routines a little bit like everyone was doing the same I think I think you saw some some uh, Instagrams and uh, videos from people who were putting mattresses up like against their their windows and doing volley drills and I had my coach next door so I was uh, I was banging the door in the backhand volleys for for quite a while so I drove them insane but you, know, you just have to do those sorts of things to, to keep everything ticking. You look like you benefited from a sharp haircut as well that's another luxury that um, <laughs> few others. I was actually one of the players that yeah, I was one of the players that did that. Really okay yeah um, no, he's done a great job. I've done a good job right? Yeah yeah you're looking oh, sharp yeah. so I guess uh, Norwich City fans they'll probably be aware of you you know people are aware of Norfolk Sport, aware of your career so far, but do you want to give us a little rundown? I know, obviously, you've added to your list of Grand Slam titles recently at the Aussie Open, but but for those who might not have been following your career, just give us a rundown of what you've achieved at the age of, what are you now, 23? 23. Scary. Uh, I feel like I've been in the game for, for a long while now, which maybe I have, because I started when I was about nine years old, I want to say. So I got into it purely just from a, a social point of view. Um, got diagnosed with, with my disability at seven. Um, I think I was probably struggling a little bit with, with life and, and finding, uh, finding a little bit of joy in it. And so me, sport was my massive, my massive go-to before the, the disability. Um, and you know, I never knew that Paralympic sport was, was such a thing or if there was anything locally that I could, that I could even go to and, and compete. So my family done, done a good, Bit of digging and they sent me off to Stoke Mandeville which is the hub for like Paralympic sport um, I think it's where the games was actually first held in, in in the UK or even worldwide so it's a big hub for that sort of um, thing getting involved with people with disabilities getting involved with, with sport so I, I went down there and it was like uh, a come try session on pretty much every sport you could you could do you had like a like, list of things that um, that they put on for the weekend to stay there and, and I picked tennis, basketball and archery and I think I've done a, a lot of other sports as well that I can't even remember right now but those were the three sports that I remember playing and I was like okay this is this is something that I enjoy it's not quite football because um, I was I was a keen footballer before the whole disability that's that's kind of where my, my passion for football starts but obviously having that taken away from me I had to go down a different different um, different avenue and, and for me it was it was those three sports and 
I came back to Norfolk and there's a couple of centres kicking about and a couple of coaches that were willing to give me a, give me a go at the time. Um, first off was, was Derek Perry, Derek Perry at Lime Tree. Um, they run like a disability group every, every Wednesday evening, I think it was. And, and it was just for, just for fun, you know, just for social, to get back, to be, to be active, to be doing things. And there's so many benefits, obviously, that can bring getting, um, getting back into sport. And so for me, getting into tennis, it was never about getting to the elite level. That was just something that I think happened naturally along the, along the course of um, my career. Um, and then obviously kicked on into the juniors, started to train a little bit more, started to compete a little bit more. And I think my first real significant event was at the World Junior Masters, um, which was the top eight in, in the junior rankings at the time. And uh, I'd never played in front of a crowd before, never, um, never really traveled that, that much before that. And I'd, I'd played this Argentinian player about three months beforehand. And for anyone that knows tennis, I got done six love, six love in about 30 minutes. Um, in the, yeah, not, not a pretty match to, to remember. And I got to the final and I was playing the same guy in front of, I think, 3,000 French fans, breaking it. Wow. I was, I think I was a set in five, two down and had match points. And I came back, won at seven, six and um, won the third set, I think six, three or something. And that was kind of like the first real massive win that sticks in my head because of the, the odds that were against me. I was like back against the wall. And to kind of come back from that is, is probably where it all really started for me. And that was around London 2012 as well. So obviously everything was kicking off with the Olympics and the Paralympics. And, you know, I came into it at a really good time. Yeah. Well, it's interesting how you started there because I think you'll be aware, because I believe your sister played a bit of football as well, but the Football Club's Community Sports Foundation, who I'm, I'm lucky enough to work for, yeah. do a lot of work helping people get into sport, people with disabilities who might not have had the chance otherwise. Why is that so important? It's, it's important for, for everyone, whether it's um, whether you're disabled or whether you're, you're not disabled. I just think sport is, is such a great avenue for, for mental health. I think for me at the time, that was a massive part of it. You know, I had been on my feet for, for six, seven years, uh, loved playing football, was the popular kid in school, um, really athletic, really competitive. And having that curveball in life, um, you know, put a massive challenge and mentally I struggled. I think any any kid would at seven years old, you know, being being um, told that they had to be in the chair and a complete um, complete new new way of life, and obviously struggling with that. And, and sport was sport was my outlet. So I think having those opportunities and for people to be aware of that, um, it, it, it's what helped me bounce back in in life. Um, you know, it gave me a purpose. It gave me confidence again. You know, I struggled socially with um, being in a chair felt like I was different from the rest of them and all those kind of stereotypical um, perceptions um, happen. Uh, and so sport was, was my time where I could just completely forget what it was like uh, and just be, just be Alfie here, the kid, kid that I was, a little, probably a little cocky kid um, playing sport all the time. So, so that's, that's what it was. And so anyone that, that is thinking about it, I just, I, I can't encourage it enough. And, um, you know, the, the platforms have got to be there in place to start with. You, know, you guys have done an amazing job of seeing the work you've done. And I was part of that. And I remember the days going, um, 
going in the UEA, I think it was, there was, there was a few different ones at the time. And you know, I loved it. It just, you know, I made, I made new friends and I had new experiences and gave me, gave me a good purpose. Now, I think the last time I had a chat with you, we were talking about a potential new rule change uh, in, in wheelchair tennis that might curtail your career. Is that still the case? Yeah, yeah, at the moment. Um, it's, it's in a bit of a limbo with, with the decision and, and what's happening. So, I mean, to give maybe a bit of a, a, a bit of background, um, a couple of years ago now, um, the ITF, alongside uh, the IPC, so the International Paralympic Committee and the International Tennis Federation, they um, had a bit of a decision around the criteria about the eligibility for, for wheelchair tennis. Um, previously, anyone getting into the sport would have to undergo uh, medical examinations and parcel tests to, to be able to play the sport um, for some reason, which I'm not really sure why. They have decided to change that criteria. Um, and it's a little bit different to what it usually was and was beforehand. Um, so yeah, a couple of years ago, all the players went, um, went under this new assessment and I unfortunately fell under this bracket where I was un unable to compete. So technically right now, um, I'm still eligible to play because of the, uh, the decision that the ITF made, which was to extend that period until the games was finished. So even though the decision was made two years ago, they out of kind of um, principle, I would say, because four year cycle takes a lot of you know, money, takes a lot of training, takes a lot of um, effort. And I think they, they are really good in the respect that they could see how much work has been done. And so they made a disagreement with the IPC that we could carry on until the games was finished. So that's why last year was a bit of a, a, a tough year mentally because that was what was uh, yeah on the horizon was was a potential career ender for me which I've always been dedicated to tennis it's what I've done since I was since I was a young kid and probably since the age of about 12 it's all I dreamed to, to do was to compete was to be at that that top level um, and, and, and live that lifestyle and that's why that's why I trained and sacrificed to to be able to do so I struggled a lot mentally last year with that but kind of channeled it in a way that it didn't impact performances so much um, and then with the games obviously being pushed back to, to the following year it meant the decision was pushed back to the um, end of this year so 20, 2021 um, so at the moment that's it like there's a lot of behind the scenes work going on with the whole classification it's a, it's a very why topic to be able to, to nail down and I think there could be some changes in the next few months which I'm being being told so I'm keeping my, my fingers crossed for that but um, yeah at the moment I'm focusing on what I can do in the, in the present which is to, to try and play the best and take as many titles as I can before they potentially kick me out so yeah it it's let's keep fingers crossed that that perhaps something changes in that department because at the moment you're literally going into every tournament and having to attack it with the mentality okay this is the last time potentially that i'm going to play here each and yeah. every time so what have you set yourself in terms of goals for the year that you want to achieve if that is the case i mean it's it's uh it's a difficult one because last year i think i learned a lot about how to approach the events i remember in australia um, not knowing that what was around the corner, 
I lost in the semi-final and I was back in the changing rooms and it's, it's very emotional. You, know? you, you kind of start thinking this is the last time that I'll be in these locker rooms, the last time I'll, I'll make the trip. You know, everything that you do, it's like, this is the last time. And I think I struggled with that. Whereas maybe because I've kind of been through that and then, okay, then it gets extended and I'm back again. This year it didn't kind of have that same effect. It was, it was more like, right, I'm actually very fortunate to have this opportunity Let's not necessarily cry about it. Let's go and get it. Like, let's, let's be hungry for it. Let's be determined and motivated. And, and that's kind of how I've approached it because all I can do at the moment is just pray that something's going on in the back at, background. And, and when it comes to the decision, whether it's the end of this year or middle of this year, that if, it's, uh, if it goes in my favour, then I can carry on and I don't look back at it. And I think last, my biggest regret would be if it was to end the year and not have achieved what I could have achieved because I had this thing overhanging, you know, having this, this thing come follow me everywhere I go, you know, the last year and the last year. I don't want that. I don't want that to be an excuse. If it is my last year, I want to enjoy it as much as I can um, and just have a, a strong mentality with, with the whole situation. And I think it's giving me a massive, massive drive as well. Like this, this uh, adversity to my life and another, another change in, in direction, which it's not my not my decision. Um, it's it's def definitely giving me um, a new sense of freedom out there because I can go out there and, and I feel like I have to hit out and I have to play the way I want to play. So if I if I, ha I have this tension, I have this emotion attached to me, then everything just gets very clouded. And, and to try and separate all that, it's not easy, but it's actually probably helped me along the way in some strange way. Whatever happens. You have experienced some things that, you know, most of us can only dream of. You've, you've met people, you've seen places. I mean, you've, you've won Wimbledon outfit. The treatment you get yeah. at Wimbledon, for example, you know, what are some of the things that you'll remember from your tennis career if it finishes this year or if it finishes in 10 years? So much, so, so much. Like, I'm quite a reflective person anyway. So from time to time, I do look back at whether it's the year or the years leading up to it but it's such a, a long journey you know that to get to where I have now wasn't an overnight thing you know, any, anyone who's in or, in or around sport knows that to be able to get to the top it takes years of, of training um, highs and lows uh, money effort resources like all, all, all of that and I started when I was eight nine years old and, you know, 15 years on I'm kind of hitting the the peak of of my my performance, um, and that's how long it's taken. Tennis is a very I know you play as well. So tennis is a it's not an easy easy sport. It's very complex, and it's not as simple as running from here to here as quick as you can. There's so many other elements and um, skills that are needed physically, mentally, emotionally um, to be able to really perform when it comes to the the big occasion. And I think that's what I've learned over the years. And not only self-development, but of course I, I have special special moments. The Paralympics was probably probably one of the best. Going there in my first first games in, in Rio and being I think 13th, 13th in the world, which which is good, but I don't think anyone outside the top six had ever won a medal. And I don't think anyone going to their games for the very first time had won a medal as well. So I, I wasn't I wasn't expected to to do well. But I defied that and I, and I got two silvers and that was probably one of the most memorable experiences. Paralympics is an 
incredible event like to be a part of anyway. So they they definitely rank highly um, in my in my memory bank. But you, like you said, Wimbledon, it's another level. You know, being there, home, home, uh, home favorite, home crowd. Um, everyone on the side drinking pims, which is quite a distraction when you're trying to play. Um, it's a great it's a great day. Uh, I love it. And family gets to be there as well. So being away traveling, it's it's not always easy for them to to come and watch live. So most of the time they're they're stuck behind the the TV watching it. So for everyone to come down, those are probably the memories that I'll, I'll treasure. You're just describing the joys of experiencing live sport there. It's uh, it's something we're all missing very much at the moment. But Alfie, obviously, you know, the reason we've got you on the Norwich City podcast is you're a Norfolk boy uh, and you're, you're part of our Norfolk sporting landscape. First of all, let's talk about home and the area. What is it that makes you proud to be from Norfolk? It's a fine city, isn't it? <laughs> well yeah everyone knows that so hey, everyone knows that yeah no it's um i, I just like the <laughs> sounds very um norfolk but the, the peace and quiet about it all it is is real especially where i live i live out in the sticks and um you know outside of between like norwich and norwich and yarv out in the sticks so i've kind of experienced the the isolation of of what Nor- norfolk can bring um geographically when you're trying to play sports maybe not the best best places to be um, and I've certainly had to travel far and wide to, to be able to do what I do but to then come back and and be in Norfolk and you know have the have the countryside to relax and the beaches uh, that's definitely my, my favorite parts of, of coming back to the area. And you said that as a youngster you loved your football you loved playing your football was it Norwich City right from the start for you? Yeah always always um, I played played football myself. I was it was like my my dream to become a, a footballer. All I ever wanted to do was be a footballer, and I played for this uh, little side in in Norwich called Lakeford Rangers when I was when I was a kid. Good side um, on that day, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, was a goalkeeper at the time, and don't think that would have ever uh, pursued because of my height. Now I'm five foot six, so that never would have actually <laughs> materialised. But um, you know, I loved it. It was my passion. It was everything um, that I wanted to be. Um, so that's probably where it all started and my love for football. Um, and then, you know, I've just clung on to the local team, which is Norwich City, obviously. Um, played with played with and against, actually. I remember I was speaking to my mum a few weeks ago and she was saying, because she was watching one of the matches and uh, she's like, oh, is that, is that Todd Campbell? And I was like, yeah, she's like, you used to play against him when you were when you in your team. Yeah, yeah. She was like, you did you remember that? I don't remember that. No, I was like six, seven at the time. She was like, yeah, yeah, you, play, you played against him. I was like, no way. That's, that's obviously a pretty cool um, thing to say. She said he was good at the time, so yeah, he's clearly levels above everyone else. Um, so is that a family connection? Are, are there family Norwich City fans? Um, no, not really. My dad's a Liverpool fan. Uh, tough times for him. Yeah, very um, much. Yeah, my brother, my brother, he's a he's a big he's a big Norwich supporter. But I will I will set him out now because he actually used to go to the games in a Chelsea shirt. There was a period where he was uh, he was one of these I don't know, trying to trying to chase the fame sort of thing, and he he was like six seven years old at the time. We'd go to the games, he'd have his coat on, but he'd have his Chelsea shirt on underneath. But he's he's now a loyal fan, so I can I can say that he's converted to. To yellow and green blood. And he's also got a claim to fame in that I think he was the last 
uh, successful contestant at the Tampa Bay yeah. Halftime Challenge. Is that right? I think, yeah, he, uh, he, he won't shut up about that. He was, um, he was the hero when it came to, to that. He, I, I tell you, he was in the gym for about three hours before that, trying to, trying to bump up, because uh, I told him obviously who, who was he up against. And um, he went and done the business on Chris Stocker there, didn't he? He did, yeah. He took out a, another local tennis uh, tennis coach. But, yeah, I mean, that's high pressure, Alfie. It's all very well winning Wimbledon, but sticking on a Zorb at half-time at Carrow Road, like, your brother now knows <laughs> what pressure really is. That's, I think that's the best home game he'll ever go to. And we got the win as well on the day. Exactly. All he, all he, all he cared about was that first hit. It's all <laughs> talking about. He's like, I just want to make sure that first hit, he goes flying back into the Gerald or something like that. Just wanted to end up on social media. Well, he did a good yeah. job. Wait, I think he wasn't. I think he got on Sky, didn't he, in the end? He did, yeah. That was his moment. So can you remember your early experiences of Carrow Road? Can you even remember your first game? Is that a big ask? It is all a little bit of a, a distant memory. Uh, I got my first... I know I got my first season ticket around when I was eight, nine years old. So I think we were in the championship at the time. And it was in a period where... We were in the championship for quite a few years. And then all I remember is that, actually, I think we got relegated into League One. And that's when I really started to, well, that's when I, start, I can remember really paying quite a big interest in, in Norwich and following, uh, following them. Um, and ever since then, yeah, I've been, I've been glued to it. So who were some of your Norwich City heroes? So you're talking 2009, I guess, then is when we... We started in League One and, and worked our way back up to the Premier League. That's so. when we got like Grant Holt and we started Simeon Jackson. Uh, yeah, they were big at that time. Yeah, obviously back in back in League One. Remember Ollie Johnson? That's that's the one match that I really remember. I was like walking around, walking around Norwich with my MP3 player. I think it was. And we were playing Yeovil Town. I think he bagged a couple of goals in that match. Um, that's like some a random memory to have. But yeah, it was uh, it was back in back in those days. I was expecting you to say Grant Holt. Yeah, Dion Dublin. Dion Dublin, yeah, Taylor, yeah. or on the early st early stages of that period, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Russell, and Russell Martin and those sorts of guys. Have you ever met any of your Norwich City heroes? Yeah. Past or present? Um, we did a, um, quite recently, Grant Holt and, and Russell Martin did um, like a bit of a game show in, in the open. I think it was um, Nevermind the Danger. Uh, it was just like a, it was a bit of a spin-off of a league of their own sort of thing, and they um, had a couple of guests, and I managed to get on there. I mean, just funny guys like Russell Martin, top top man, Grant Hall, so obviously, um, but just good. The, like the knowledge of their game, the knowledge of the game like, was, in, was incredible. Like, I'm a fan. That's, when I watch Norwich, I'm, I'm a fan. Uh, I'm not really a, a know-it-all when it comes to. The, the tactics and the styles of play. I just love watching it and I'll, and I'll get behind them. And just to hear the ins and outs of, of their football brains was, was really intriguing. Do these guys take an interest in your career when you, when you get to spend some time with them? I saw, I think I saw Tim Krull post something on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, Timmy well. Krull stepping up. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, I think obviously with the local connections and being in the area, it's, uh, it's given me a little bit of a, a following, which which is great. You know, Norwich, Norwich means a, a lot to me. The team is probably my, my biggest passion outside of, of doing what I do. So to to have the guys play play an interest, um, I'm a little bit like a fangirl when it happens. I'm like screenshotting it, and sending it to all my friends. I'm like no way, Timmy Cruz posted on my on my Instagram. Um, no, it's great. It's great for them guys. 
So your memories, because you're so young, your memories of Norwich City starting around that time in League One, you've had a heck of a ride over the last decade. Promotions, it's, it's relegations, you've had the lot. I know. That's, I think it, we obviously we labelled the yo-yo team. I, I love it. I think it's. I think it gives it gives the fans something to to get to get into. I, I just wouldn't want to be from a, from a spectator point of view. I think being a fan. Um, you get so involved with it. I just don't think if we were like floating around the table year in, year out, it'd be fun. Like the relegation, the battles or the promotions, that's what, that's, what we, that's what I watch it for. That's what we all watch it for. We want to be on the edge of our seats. You know? We want to see if we, we're gonna, are we going to make it? Are we going to survive? And the suspense of, is it going to happen or is it not going to happen? That, that's why I love it. Like these last couple of, I say these last like three or four seasons, I've got, into it more than more than ever before and it's been it's been exhilarating like i think it was the boxing day game against forest and uh, it was around my dad's for for christmas um a day later and chose and chose not to go to that game that's one of the bad mistakes i've ever made because that was insane i remember like going around the living room with my shirt off and i like, look back at it like, what's going on that's what it that's what it's all about that season was a season was something else, like the fight backs, the comebacks, the the wins that we were had that we were having at the time. It was probably one of the most exciting championship seasons I've ever I've ever seen. Um, this season's a lot more steady and kind of calm, cool, confident performances, getting the job done, keeping solid. Um, but no, I'm I'm, love, I'm loving being an Irish fan, and yeah, the Premier League didn't didn't end the way we wanted, but the start of it was was something else. So when you were off uh, training with either your peers domestically and internationally, the guys yeah. on tour, do they know anything about Norwich City? Do, do you represent when you're there? You, are you preaching the fart ball? Ah, as much as I can. As much as I can. I was, when I was in Rotterdam last week, I had the journalist telling me all about the Norwich City results. I'm like, of course I knew about it, but you know, I play it off. But you know, they, they know I'm a big, uh, big, big advocate of, of the of the club and. Um, the guys sent me a, a Norwich City shirt with my name on it, um, so I took it to US Open and I, I wore it for my final, uh, my singles final, I think it was, practice on Arthur Ashe, which is one of the biggest stadiums in, in tennis, warming up in my Norwich City shirt, so that's, that's, got, um, that's got to be up there in, in, uh, in promoting the team. Have you ever had the New York Canaries come and visit you when you're playing at the US yeah. Open? I'm yeah, sure yeah. I saw a Norwich flag in the crowd once. Yeah, every year, every year. Um, his name's Dave, and he always uh, he always comes and, and he's wearing. I mean, he's got some sort of collections. Every every day he turns up in a new in a new shirt. It's like amazing. And even in France, actually, um, recently for the Paris, there was a couple of couple of guys there with Norwich flags with, with the names on the stuff. So like, it's it's great to see. We are, we are truly global, and I suppose when yeah. you're travelling. It's difficult, perhaps, to follow as if you were at home. Are you are you a season ticket holder, or are you just on the road too much to, to have a season well, ticket? I'm still a, I'm still a season ticket holder. Um, my brother, he probably, uh, probably takes the, the the brunt of, of all the games and started going to some of the away games as well. But nothing nothing really stops me. Uh, I got a bit of a telling off in Australia because before my matches, um, <laughs> I was staying up watching the Norwich games at two, three o'clock in the morning. Um, unfortunately, it was that sticky period where we were, I think, drawing a couple of nil-nils and maybe lost one one or two. So um, 
yeah, it wasn't maybe the best times to be waking up in, in the middle of the night, but no, I love it. I'll always follow them. Um, I think for me, the last, last game I went to was the, was the Spurs game, the FA Cup. Yeah, it was for most of I mean, us. I'm happy, to, I'm happy to leave it there. I don't <laughs> think it will ever get better than that. Now, Alfie, obviously on a tennis court, I hope you don't mind me saying, I'll call you passionate, but sometimes it does verge on a little bit angry. Is that fair to say? I'm probably the Emmy Buendia of Russia tennis, yeah. You've got, got a little bit of, little bit of yeah. temper there. Are you an angry football fan? You know what? No, not, not so much. Like, more of the euphoria of winning, but when it's, when it's going the other way, maybe in the past a few months have been broken, but, but usually I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite cool-headed with it all. Yeah, no, it's not, it's not something that's in my control, so I try not to get angry about it. Whereas on the tennis court, I think it's something that I can do a bit better. It releases a, you know, a bit of a, a hot-headedness. Well, Andy Murray's always looks pretty angry and he's done okay as well. You, you guys are... Do, do, have you ever trained with Andy? Uh, not trained with him, um, but he's, he's, really, he's really good with all the guys. Like, he's down at NTC um, Practice Centre in London quite quite a bit and he comes and speaks to us you know, sit and have lunches and whatever. He's a, he's a really nice down-to-earth sort of guy. Got he loves his football lovely. as well. I know that. Have you ever spoken to him about Norwich City? Uh, nah, nah, not, not Norwich. I think he's too, fo- he's too busy focused on what's happening up in, the, up in the SPL, whatever it is. I've got, obviously, Gordon, Gordon Reid, who's a, he's a big Rangers fan. So for the last couple of days, I've just been getting Rangers, uh, Rangers, in my head unbearable but you'll get your own back hopefully uh how do you think this season's going to play out where do you think Norwich are going to finish what a stupid question <laughs> uh, I have to ask stupid questions yeah I definitely think top of the league I mean you see the managers um the recent couple of performances that we've had who have, who have said that we're I think was, I'm not sure which one it was he said that we were the man city of the championship or something like that um and yeah, I mean, if managers are saying that about us, they're, they're certainly not just saying it for the sake of it. I do believe that you look at you look at the stats, you look at the results, you look at even just how we're playing as a team. Even if we lose one game, what's so so strong about the squad is how they bounce back. Yes, you might have one or two poor performances, but that's normal in the, in the championship season that goes on for for so long. So, yeah, I've got I've got good hopes for Norwich season. I think we'll be. I'll be, we'll be back in, in the Premier League next year. Who have you really enjoyed watching from an individual player perspective? Put you on the spot Ollie now. Skip. Ollie Skip. 100%. He's, I think he's probably the, for me, he's the, he's the player of the season. He's really? Given, yeah, I think just the way he's given us such stability in, in, in that middle area and, and kind of fed through, obviously. From defence to attack, he's, for me, he's, he's the best player. Obviously, you got you got Emmy, you've got Pookie, Pukie that are they're just they're just Norwich legends at this point. They are who they are. They they're great. Um, but for him to come in, I think he would be he'd be a big loss if we didn't get him next season. It's obviously a shame that we're having such a season and we haven't got a full carrot road. Um, Talk me through your match day, what a typical match day looks like for Alfie. Uh, it depends if it's home or away. <laughs> you go to many away games? And um, I, I started to get into it actually the last, uh, well, before obviously the, um, the, the matches got, got stopped. Um, but yeah, a few of the, a few of the pro matches um, and started to go to, I went to Mill. my first away match was actually Millwall. Um, 
Actually, no, I take it back. My first away match technically was Ipswich. And it was back when I think it was a one all I think it was a one all draw. Um, it was nothing. I don't know. Was it a 2-0 win? I actually can't remember that. It was quite a long way ago. But I was sitting in the Ipswich. Well, if it was in the last 10 years, it definitely wasn't a loss. We know that. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> it, was, it was in the, I was sitting in the Ipswich um, stand because the I was with some family who were actually Ipswich supporters. And Chad Evans scored in the first two minutes. And I just I just leapt out. I think I, I shouted, come on, let's go or something like that. And obviously I was like eight or seven at the time, so I didn't know. And I think so many Ipswich fans just give me give me daggers from, from every angle but um so that was my first one uh, and then yeah Millwall was the next one which was a bit of a different sort of game to to experience but no, I love it I think my my day is pretty my day is pretty standard uh, I, I'd normally train in the morning to be honest so do all the boring stuff get it out the way um get some chicken and chips from Morrison's that's normally the. Well, I was going to ask. I was going to ask if you were a match day burger kind of guy, like. Yeah, not not in the ground, but me and my bro, we always go to Morrison's and get the little chicken nuggets and chips, but um, some sweets uh, and just yeah. I mean, you can't you can't get better than that. No, that's a dream, um, Alfie. I remember you said you were wearing your Norwich City shirt at the U.S. Open for for a practice session. Yeah. Have you owned many Norwich City shirts over the years? What's been your favourite shirt? Favourite shirt? That's a good question. Uh, do you know what? I really like the um, the third kit for this season. Like the, I haven't got it. My, bro- my brother's got it. So we, we have this, um, this pack almost where I'll always get the home shirt. He'll always get the either away shirt or the, or the third kit. But I'm, I'm a big fan for that. The colours, this... Something, something about it. It's just, it's just a bit of me. Just a bit of me. Just a bit of you. Yeah, it's a bit. It's got a bit of flair. Yeah, like yeah. we see on the tennis court. Yeah. yeah. So here's a question for you, then, Alfie. If you could pick a member of the current Norwich City squad, well, I'll let tell you what. I'll let you have past players as well, but you'd like to get on a tennis court and see what they've got. Who would you pick? I've had a couple of the players uh, said that they want to have a hit. I remember Morris, um, Morris Leitner. Um, he messaged me out of the blue because I think he he went down to David, David Lloyd um, just where I did my training he was obviously doing something there and um, he, we had a quick conversation he was like yeah, well, ne- next time I'm here I'll give you a message and he's obviously never returned so um, we've never we never, we never got around to it but the player I'd like to I mean Timmy Crawls he's got to have good hands he's got to have good hands in tennis and he's, he's proven to have good hands uh, in between the sticks I think I'd, I'd like to give him a go I think he'd have a he'd have a massive serve as well. Yeah, I was gonna say he's got height on his side as well. Yeah, he might be a little bit like you actually. Well, maybe. Who knows? I'm he's getting just... a bit old now. Yeah, no, so so you're missing the match day. Will you would you look forward to the Premier League and all the return that comes with it and that global interest for Norwich City once again? Yeah, yeah, of course. I think it's uh, it's obviously the it's the place to be. It's um for the club it, as a, as a business it's obviously where they want to be as well but the fans yeah it's maybe a little bit maybe different with the atmosphere but I, I think pushing pushing the club to be um, in that league sustainably as well I don't think I think we've proven the last couple of seasons how good we are as a team we've got, we've got a great squad and you've always got to be thinking ahead you know, not even the squad but the, the backroom staff and and everyone around the club, the manager, the director, Weber, and, and 
um, being a little bit in and around. They're just such, they've got such a good togetherness by the looks of it. Um, I just think, you know, going forward, we can, we can, we can be a more consistent um, Premier League team and stay there. I believe that. I think, I think this will be, uh, we probably screenshot this and uh, a couple of years we'll be back down there, but I think, I think this will be the turning point for the club. I think we're going in the right direction. Oh, that's interesting. So you've, you spent some time and you kind of bought into the, the sustainability thing. And is that something yeah. you like that the club are doing things that way? Yeah, I mean, they've, they've started from um, the grassroots of it all. You know, even just going back to the, the training facility and developing that, I mean, that, that is, that is fundament, fundamentally a, a bigger plan and, and a longer term plan. They've, they've said it for, for quite a few years now. This wasn't just a short term fix to quickly get the club back in the Premier League and, and earn some money again. This is actually taking the club to the next level from you know, all the way down to academy to, to, to right up to the top. And I think that's that's clearly shown in um, the fact that Daniel and, and his team are still in charge after even get a relegator. I think the way the football football works these days, you have a season like that normally and normally they're out. So um, the trust is there with everyone. There's there's a clear from even just from like a, a fan point of view, there's a there's a clear way of of going about their their business and, and Ultimately, the performances are, are reflecting that. That's very interesting. At this point, Alfie, Alice, who is my co-host, would normally go on to her, her trademark finishing move, which is, what does Norwich City mean to you and why is the football club so special? For me, it, 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 gave, me, it gave me a passion. Like it, it gave me um, a, a way of life, even, you know, to, to follow Norwich and, for me, like, when I was when I was going through that sticky period, it gave me something to look forward to at the end end of every week. I and mean, then when it comes to Saturday or obviously a midweek match, uh, it would be in my diary. I remember my diary as a kid. All it was was Norwich fixtures. It's all it ever was. No homework, none of this. Just Norwich fixtures. You know, it was it was kind of it was uh, yeah, it was something that meant a lot to me. And it, as a as a personal point of view as well, football is 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 my heart. I love the sport, and so to be able to follow them, yeah, that's that's what it means. And ultimately, Norfolk is home, isn't it? And always yeah, will be. Yeah, it's only 20 minutes around the corner. I don't have to, don't have to travel, travel very far to go and watch them either. So, win-win. Well, Alfie, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Good luck for the rest of the year. Uh, we'll all be following your progress. And then hopefully we'll see you at Carrow Road, a full Carrow Road. And fingers yes. crossed for, for a Premier League game come August. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Well, there we go. Alfie Hewitt, tennis legend, all-round good guy. Alice, what did you think? It was a great listen. You did a great job, Dan. I really enjoyed that. It was really good to hear all about Alfie's achievements and his career to date so far. But also, he really gets Norwich, doesn't he? You can tell his passion for the club, but he really understands kind of the workings and what the club are achieving and the philosophy and I love all that. Yeah, it certainly is. He obviously spends a lot of time on the road training and competing, but... Always make sure he's following the Canaries. And, and yeah, as you said, really knowledgeable about what the club's trying to achieve. Yeah, a very good listen indeed. And if you enjoyed that, make sure you subscribe if you want more podcasts like that one. We're on Spotify, Apple and YouTube. Just search All In Yellow. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.